Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about my favorite baby food brand. So I actually don't buy a lot of baby food and I don't use it a lot, but I do like to have some baby food, some pouches on hand just for those moments where I feel like I need something convenient or I need to just throw something in my diaper bag and go. So my favorite baby food brand and really the only one we use now is Serenity Kids. The reason that I love Serenity Kids so much is because they focus on nutrient-dense foods such as pasture-raised and grass-fed meat and organic vegetables. So I know that the quality is amazing and I feel safe and confident feeding it to my baby. You can go to myserenitykids.com and use the code TaylorKulik15 at checkout to save 15% off your order. If you appreciate this podcast, if you have found any of the episodes valuable for you, I would so appreciate if you would leave me a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The reviews actually help people see more... Hi everyone, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we are going to dive into a conversation about self-care for moms, why it's important for mothers to take care of themselves, what is self-care, what does it look like, and how can mothers find ways and times within their day to practice self-care while still being responsive to these tiny little sweet humans that are so dependent on us. Today, I have Sarah Sanders joining us today. Sarah is a licensed mental health clinician in private practice and the owner of the coaching business Centered with Sarah. She is a wife to an adventure-loving extrovert and a mom to two curly-haired littles. So without further ado, let's get to this conversation. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Would you mind just telling our listeners who you are and what you do? Yes. Thanks so much for having me, Taylor. So I am Sarah Sanders. I am a therapist and a coach, and I specialize working with women, and especially mothers and the whole motherhood journey. So I'm really excited to be here. Amazing. Amazing. So can you start by telling us um, why you are so passionate about meeting your needs, meeting moms, meeting their needs and children's needs and why that's so important to you. Yeah. So I went through all my education and had, you know, almost all of my license figured out and was almost licensed by the time I had my son. And so I was pretty confident that I knew child development and I knew, you know, how to be this great mom and I was just going to rock it. And after 36 hours of labor and three hours of pushing, and they put this beautiful child on my lap, I was like, oh no, like, what have I gotten myself into? I hadn't slept in like three days. I was exhausted. And I was like, 
what do I do? Like my education isn't helping me here. And so because I had such a rough start to, I would say motherhood and just all of the pressure that I was feeling and this really high needs kid, I was just drowning in his needs and trying to meet his needs and feeling like a failure at the same time and trying to meet my needs, but I didn't even know, you know, how to do that with this new little human. And so it just created this passion in me to help mothers and help people um, in this process, because it's so crucial to, you know, to life for survival for us to survive and also for our babies. And it's just a really hard road. And so that really difficult start is, you know, what led me here basically. Yeah. I, I see a lot of parallels in your story to my journey. And I mm. feel like for a lot of us that are talking about this, I mean, most people don't know that this is an issue, that there is a lack of support and education and information for new moms until they go through it and they experience it. And so I feel mm -hmm. like that's true for so many of us. I mean, me, you know, I was an, I am an occupational therapist, but I was working as an occupational therapist mm -hmm. when I had my first child and, um, I had her and I was thrown into this just craziness. She was a very highly sensitive, temperamental little baby and mm -hmm. wouldn't sleep. And, or I, I thought she wasn't sleeping how she was supposed to be sleeping. Turns out she was actually sleeping quite normally. Mm -hmm. Um, my son on the other hand is a different story, mm -hmm. but, um, and then, so I decided to do kind of the same thing and I shifted my career towards, you know, my initial goal was to just really help postpartum women in general with their recovery, with their mental health. Um, and that really just shifted more into more of specializing in sleep because I just mm -hmm. found that's what parents really are wanting and needing support with. Um, just from my experience and my personal experience, that was what mm -hmm. I was struggling with, especially mm -hmm. as a mom of a highly sensitive kiddo who had mm -hmm. food sensitivities and things like that. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's just really, I think it's really cool that so many of us have, well, it's not cool. It is cool, but it's not cool because I wish that we didn't have to do that. I wish we didn't have to, in the midst of our own struggles and challenges, be like, hey, I'm going to create the support that I should have had. I wish that wasn't a thing, but it right. is. So here we are. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and we can do better, you know, we yeah. can learn and support. And I work with a lot of moms when they're pregnant on, okay, what's your postpartum support plan and how do you mm -hmm. do this and how do you meet your needs and meet your baby's needs? And the hard thing with kids is we don't know what, what kid, you know, what the kid's going to be like and who that little being is going to be. And so you can't fully prepare before they're born. So you need to have that support in place or the head knowledge to know where to look and where to get that support. Um, because sleep is so crucial. And I, I do feel like it's the number one complaint I hear. It's the number one thing that I hear friends talking about, family talking about. It was one of the top questions that I received, you know, with both of my kids. Are they sleeping through the night? How do they sleep? And, you know, it's just such a big topic. Yeah, it is. So why is it that you think moms struggle so much to focus on their own needs? And I, I have my own ideas about this, but I'd mm -hmm. love to hear yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really think it centers on societal pressures and really this idea that I think as women, we're socialized a lot from the time we're little to be quiet and to be pretty and to not have needs and to give to other people. And so I think there's a lot of this focus on others 
And I think a lot of us, you know, get stuck in that. And so by the time we have this baby, we're so used to giving to others that it's really hard to focus on ourselves. And it's great to be altruistic and think of other people and meet other people's needs, but not at the expense of your own needs. And so, you know, I think there's a side societal pressures. And I think the way that we talk about um, pregnancy and birth and, you know, the experiences that women have, a lot of women go through struggles with whether it's infertility or miscarriage. And it's, it's always this focus back on, can you achieve a pregnancy? Can you have the baby or not? And it's baby, baby, baby. And by the time we have a baby, it's still baby, baby, baby. You know, it's like, what if you hemorrhaged when you were giving birth? What if you had an emergency C-section? You know, what if you have this trauma that you need to work through, but it's all about the baby and their checkup and their pediatrician appointments. And so I think it's, it's a perfect storm of thinking about others and not yourself. And then as mothers, you know, our brain changes and all of these things when we give birth and we want to, you know, keep this little human alive and that's how we're designed to be. But some of us like myself who tend to go full bore into things, um, it can be really at the detriment of our own health and, you know, how we're functioning. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, um, with so much, with all of that really. And I think something that I've noticed is I agree with you on the, the language that is used, um, that really centers around baby during, during pregnancy, during birth, during, you know, the early postpartum stage. But at the same time, I think there's also a shift happening and maybe those are like two distinct areas or, or, or conversations happening, but there's also once baby is born, I feel like there is often the shift and maybe it's more of like a social media thing. I'm not sure since I'm so like engaged in the social media world, but there's this shift of like, okay, well, mom, I, I actually think that there is a lot of like mom's needs matter too. And what I'm seeing a lot of is that yes, mom's needs matter too, but it's not they're not mutually exclusive. They shouldn't mm -hmm. be treated mutually ex in a mutually exclusive way. And mm -hmm. so I see a lot of people almost going to the opposite extreme of let's care. Let's think about baby's needs to let's think about mom's needs and mom's needs take priority. And so let's sacrifice some of baby's needs to meet mom's needs. And so I see what you're saying. And I also mm -hmm. see another aspect to it too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not really sure when that happened or it's very confusing, really. There's so much messaging. Um, but my opinion, and I'm sure I'm sure you share this opinion, is that um, both of our needs matter. Babies' mm -hmm. needs matter. Moms' needs matter. We know that moms' needs need to be met to adequately care for baby. Um, but we also know that baby and mother are a dyad and they're connected mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the first, you know, I mean, it's up for debate, like how long, but definitely the first right. few months of life. Some people would say until the first three years of life or so. Um, and so when baby's needs aren't being met, neither are moms because mom right. intuitively is designed to meet baby's needs, like you were saying. So it's this really mm -hmm. tricky thing because we are getting this messaging to mothers saying, it's okay because your needs matter too. So it's okay to leave your baby alone, to cry themselves to sleep or, you know, whatever that looks like, whatever that messaging looks like. But for moms, most moms intuitively, they're telling, their intuition is telling them, no, this is not okay. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. This feels wrong. And so their mental health is suffering too. They're more anxious. They're more depressed because they're getting this mixed messaging 
from external sources and then their body, which is telling them, no, this is not okay. Um, right. So it's tricky. Right. And, I, and that you bring up a great point that there almost seems like this pendulum swinging from one side to the other. And I think social media, because I see social media, but then I also see people in my office and I hear what they're really doing and how they're really living life. And I don't think that social media is is a clear, you know, representation of what people are actually doing. So mm -hmm. I'll have a client come in and they're like, the baby's not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. This is horrible. Um, I'm, I'm not functioning well, you know, my marriage is suffering. I don't know how I'm going to go back to work, all of these things. And they're really sharing their internal world. But then on social media, they might post, Hey, girls trip, you know, this weekend, first time leaving the baby. And then everybody's like, yay, good job leaving you know, you're one month old or da, 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 you know, whatever it is. And so it looks like, you know, there's really this push to prioritize mm -hmm. yourself as a mom, but that might not really be what's happening. And I, I think when you were saying there's this internal struggle as a mother of how do I meet my needs and what are people telling me? Do I, do I sleep? and leave my baby to cry? Or do I find something that works? You know, what do I do? So I, I think it's just such a complicated topic. Mm -hmm. And then mothers are so, yes, we have a lot of things in general, but there's so many specifics of if this mother has trauma or not, or, you know, what number kid is this and, you know, what's, what's her support system. And so it's such a bigger picture and the societal messages and social media, you know, it's just so complicated. But what I love to do is focus in on one person, you know, the person in front of me and like, what do you need? What is your heart telling you? Zoom into your soul, you know, what, what is it that you feel is best? And nine times out of 10, they already know what it is. When they push away all of this outside noise and turn off social media, they know what it is but they don't know how to get there. They don't know what steps to take. And they, you know, maybe they are okay with a little bit of sleep training or whatever, but they, they'll do it in a way that is still meeting the baby's needs. It's not completely just leaving them to cry, you know, so they, they will find what they need, or maybe they're like, no, I don't want to do any sort of that. Like that's where I came from was with my son and his needs were so high right out of the get-go. I always had this mother's intuition that there was some kind of other thing going on, something medical or, or whatever it was. And so when he wasn't sleeping and he was waking up multiple times every hour, every night, and I was trying different things, um, I didn't know what to do, but I trusted my judgment that I'm going to try to sleep however I can the best, even though I'm still not sleeping very much, but I feel all of this pressure from everybody else to say, here's this book and here's this and do this and do that. And so I really trusted my intuition with him and, you know, I'm glad I did, but what breaks my heart is that I feel like so many mothers aren't supported to trust their own intuition and what they feel is best. And that I think is so detrimental for the mom, for the baby, for society in general. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you brought up a good point like this. It is so complicated and maybe there are that women mothers are posting one thing on social media, but it's not reflective of their reality of their day to day. And yeah. I think that causes so much confusion 
for everyone, because then you have other mothers who are looking at that and saying, oh, this, that's the normal, right? That's what I should, that's what my baby should be doing. That's what I should be doing, but that's not working for us or my baby isn't sleeping. So what am I doing wrong? Should I do that instead? And it just, there's, it's just so complicated. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, looking at the person in front of you and asking them, what is in, what is your soul feel? What does your intuition tell you? Because I have talked to so many women. I cannot tell you how many women I've talked to who have had, have been dealing with difficulties postpartum, whether that's anxiety or depression or sleeplessness or whatever. And when they go to a mental health practitioner or their primary care provider, they are told to sleep train. Um, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many women have been in therapy sessions and they are they are work trying to work through their their challenges and their struggles and they have a therapist who's just telling that blaming them basically blaming them for their own problems and saying you just need to sleep train and i think that is just you know if a woman i say this all the time i am not here to tell anybody not to sleep train um or to sleep train like i'm not telling people what to do i'm just trying right. to provide information and mostly i'm trying to be support supportive for the families that don't want to sleep train because i think that's lacking um but to ignore, to ignore a woman's intuition, to not look at sleep holistically, both for baby and for mom, there's so many things that can be done for a woman, a mother, a parent even to sleep better, to improve their own sleep without doing anything to baby, without changing anything to the baby, to ignore those things, to ignore their nutrition and their activity levels and, um, their, you know, they're, uh, do they meditate? Do they pray? Do they have a spiritual life? Do they have a support system? And just mm -hmm. say, you need to sleep train. That's what I'm talking about. What I was talking about earlier, where that is completely negating baby's needs in favor of just supporting mom's needs. But really that's not even supportive of mom's needs because it's right. not getting to the root cause of why right. those challenges are happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also, for most moms that doesn't feel good or feel right. And so, right. yeah, I just, yeah, it's just such a complicated thing, right? We could, mm -hmm. I could have 20,000 podcast episodes just mm -hmm. about this topic and maternal health and postpartum health. And I feel like that would still not be enough to talk about just how complicated it is and how intricate the mother baby relationship is as well. Um, right. And individual families and that right. individual person, because a lot of mothers, you know, a lot of women already aren't sleeping well. So throwing a baby or not, they're still not sleeping well. So like right. you were saying, what can you do to help your sleep and, you know, not making it a sleep training issue? It's a, it's a bigger topic. And mm -hmm. that just breaks my heart that women are not supported more just in general with things, but especially with medical and, you know, as mothers and the postpartum period. And it's just this quick blanket statement of, you know, this is what you need to do. It's so prescriptive. And so that's why, right. yeah, I think there needs to be more, you know, perinatal postpartum educated providers to support the mother with what do you want and how do you drown out the noise to find what works for you and, you know, meet your needs and the baby's needs at the same time. Right. Yeah. As an OT, you know, our like 
kind of philosophy was always client centered, client first. Mm-hmm. What does the client want? What do their, what are their goals? What are their priorities? What are their passions? And I feel like within the medical system, having worked within the medical system, having had experiences of like personal medical experiences within the medical system, it is not really set up for that. It is set up to be very prescriptive and kind of one size fits all in, in many ways, not all the time, um, but a lot of the time. And the the unfortunate reality is that model, I don't think that model works in most situations for mm-hmm. most issues, but it especially does not work for motherhood and postpartum and infants. It it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really unfortunate because moms are moms and babies both are just really, it's a big, it's a huge disservice, I think, to mm-hmm. them, to us. Yeah, absolutely. So how can moms honor their baby's needs and meet their own needs without feeling shelf selfish? And I have to say, I just want to add here that, um, you know, I, I, I see, like I said, I see a lot of people kind of going to this opposite side of the, the extreme to, um, you know, there's some people that say baby's needs are the most important needs. And then there's some people that say, well, mom's needs matter and they're important too. And both of those, like I I'm in the middle, I'm like, I don't think that it's a, this dichotomous um, situation that a lot of people make it out to be. Again, it's both and it's together. Um, and it's not selfish for moms to meet their own needs. At the same time, I do also think that a lot of times now, especially people are really forgetting that motherhood, parenthood is something that is meant to be selfless. We have to be selfless during parenthood. We have to give pieces of ourselves to our children. We Mm -hmm. have to make sacrifices for our children. That doesn't mean that we have to be in poor health. That doesn't mean that we have to be absolutely sleep deprived. Um, But I just think there's a balance there. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to add that, like, as a disclaimer of like my own opinion, you know, I don't think it's selfish for moms to meet their needs. At the same time, I think that motherhood is a sacrifice and it is a period of time in which we are meant to be selfless. So mm-hmm. again, kind of like mm-hmm. a nuanced discussion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I think it really, so there's five different things that I have, a you know, kind of a tips for that is what I was talking about before with what society thinks and being aware of societal pressure or even family pressure, familial pressure of what are you focused on uh, what your mother-in-law thinks. So your mother, or is your partner not supportive of what, what you need or what you think you need or kind of tuning into your needs. Um, So when, when you have this moms need to sleep and babies need to sleep or babies not sleeping, you know, what do we do with that? Just the mental um, capacity and the thoughts of what, what is the pressure? What is going on? Because you're so vulnerable when you bring that baby home and people start asking about sleeping, you know, you're so vulnerable to, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? You know, is something wrong with my baby? You know, what do I need to do to fix it? And someone's mm-hmm. like, we'll just do this, you know, that prescriptive um, advice again. And so really, I think the first step is tuning inward and saying, what, what is going on around me? And then what are my thoughts how do I view myself? Do I feel like a failure if my baby, you know, isn't sleeping 12 hours straight? Do I, you know, how do I feel about that? What am I thinking? Um, and what our thought, what our thoughts are and how we're thinking about something can make a challenging situation seem impossible. So it might seem like our only option is sleep training. What else is there, you know? And 
you're not even seeing any other option that fits with maybe what you need inside or what your, your feeling is, you know, because all mothers are different. All babies are different, you know, so we need to really take a, you know, throw out the one size fits all approach. And so being aware of society, being aware of your own thoughts, and then finding that support system, because if you, you know, are working, um, full-time and your partner's working full-time or something, and you're, you don't have any other support. So it's trying to figure out what do, what do I need? You know, how can I find this support? Um, finding people like a pediatrician or a therapist or, you know, a friend, people that will not, you know, throw something in your face or not give that judgment and really just support where you are at. Like we talked about earlier. And then I think a big one, and I had to learn this myself is to get creative because if your child isn't sleeping and you really do feel sleep deprived, then you need more sleep and you don't want to take a sleep training approach. You, you know, you want to, um, you know, bed share, whatever it is, um, getting creative is, is what I think, again, it's tailored to the parent. Um, but if you're not able to sleep at night, can you sleep during the day at all? You know, is there anybody that you can call over, you know, from your support system and hold the baby while you take a nap? Or can you go to bed earlier if the baby tends to sleep a really good stretch, but it's dinner time? Can you forgo dinner, eat dinner earlier and sleep? You know, kind of having that um, freedom to see the whole 24 hours and not just the the nine to 12 hours at night. and. Yes you know, finding what works and then to make sure you plan it out because it's not just going to happen that if you have, especially a high needs kid, um, or a kid with, you know, medical needs, something going on that it's just gonna be like, yeah, of course I'm going to sleep the next day. You're going to have to call somebody and be like, can you come over? Can you help me? Or can you just come during the day? Because I feel really lonely and my thoughts start getting, you know, taking over and I'm feeling even worse about things. So can you just come and hang out with me? So really planning that out is, you know, the next step. And then to set up healthy. Can I jump in there? I love that. I know you have like a few more points that you want to make, but I love those first two. And I just wanted to comment on them a little bit because one, the perception and thoughts thing, things like what are you thinking and how is that impacting the way you're feeling? If you are aware you have other options, I think that is so important. And I think part of the reason that's such a struggle for moms is because they're not being given access to developmentally appropriate, biologically appropriate, accurate information, specifically around infant sleep. And so when you go into motherhood and you've only heard the sleep training kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and, and propaganda and messaging, you really don't know that like, Hey, it's actually okay. Or that my baby isn't sleeping perfectly, or this will pass, or this is just like a rough phase. And so, um, you really do feel just, um, defeated basically, and that you only have one option because that's what people are telling you. And so I think it has to start also with making sure that you are getting educated. And that's why I try to advocate for even like preparation prior to having a baby, educate yourself on what typical infant sleep patterns and feeding patterns look like, because it's maybe a lot different than what you've heard it looks like. Um, but also getting creative. I love that. And I talk about that all the time and something that I did when my son was born. So my youngest child, he was, he had all kinds of medical issues like that, um, that interrupted his sleep. And he was like waking for the first 
five months of life. Um, he was waking probably every 30 minutes, 45 minutes, every hour. He was super restless. I had to rock him. So I was getting almost no sleep at night. Mm-hmm. My husband thankfully had some flexibility with his job that he could um, go into work a little bit later in the morning and then just get off later. And so that mm-hmm. worked out nicely for us because I would have my son all night supporting him until like 4 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. And then I would go get my husband and he would take over and I would get like three hours of sleep in the morning and then he would go to work. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just worked out really nicely. So I think it's so important to be creative. And then also back to the, the percent, your perception and thoughts thing. I think that a lot of parents um, have this perception and I, an expectation that things will be perfect and Mm -hmm. that everything will just be ideal. And they can Mm -hmm. still have their, their normal schedules that they had pre-baby and their normal life. And they can Mm -hmm. go to bed at, you know, 10 PM and wake up at 7 PM or 7 AM and be well rested. And, and I just think we have to learn to let that go a little bit, especially as new parents, because Mm -hmm. we have to accept that for many babies, not all babies, some babies will really fall into those routines pretty easily, but for many babies, it's just more challenging than that. And so sometimes that does look like calling somebody over to take a nap in the middle of the day. If you can, um, sometimes that does look like, Hey, we have to budget a little bit differently so that I can have somebody helping me with meal planning or cleaning, or just watching my older kids for a little bit. Um, and so when you let go of that, that pressure and that expectation for life to just be like this ideal situation and you just do what you need to do. You can really find a lot of, I think, beauty in that. And also just, um, relieve some stress of, of things have you of having to have things be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then just also remembering that it will pass. Like this is a stage of life. This, Mm -hmm. this is a stage. And, you know, for some parents, it might only last a couple of weeks or a couple of months for some parents. It might, it might last a year or two years. Um, but it is a stage and it will, it will get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. And that leads to the last one of setting up boundaries. So like you were saying, if you have this idea that life is going to be exactly the same, you know, post baby, um, a lot of times, and I see this with clients is that they're trying to keep up with their pre-baby life. And so maybe they're going out, you know, in the evenings or they're doing extra things or they're signing up for, you know, trying to do all the extra volunteer things that they used to do. And then they're not sleeping at night and they're like, we've got to change the sleeping issue because I can't keep up with it. And I'm like, well, what boundaries could you put in place? What could you say no to that you can actually, that's where I think there's that balance of, you know, what do you need? And what's life-giving of an extracurricular activity and what can you say no to, or do you feel pressured that you have to go out with your friends or can you shorten it? Like just trying to think outside the box. And part of that get creative part is how do you deal with the constraints and your limited energy and, you know, maybe nursing or pumping, or, you know, if you need to go to sleep earlier, then you're not going to be out with your friends every night or, you know, kind of things like that. And so really thinking, um, in terms of boundaries and putting a protective boundary around you and around, you know, the dyad with you and your child. And, you know, what you said, it's a short period of time. It's not going to last forever with whatever situation it is. So I think that I like to try to reframe things in a more positive way as much as I can, because I just tend to be a person who has in the past um, been really negative about things and had these like false beliefs in my head that really impact my life and the way I think and all of that. And so what I learned to, to see the postpartum 
stage as, um, is a, an opportunity to slow down. And, you know, I think that is a really great, I think we all need to slow down sometimes, but if anything, when you have a new baby and you're not sleeping as well, it gives you the opportunity to slow down and spend time bonding with your baby. Um, and so again, going back to like what you said about changing your expectations and knowing that things are not always going to be exactly the same as from before when you had a baby. Um, Mm -hmm. but slowing down is great. Mm -hmm. Right. And really seeing it as a season and not, this is my life forever. Cause what you were saying about babies do change our lives and being a parent and being a mother. And there is the sacrifice is there is that inherent change, but it's not going to look exactly the same forever. You know, we're not sleep deprived for 18 years and, you know, then they move out potentially, you know, it is going to evolve and change. And so it just, in my head, it always goes back to what does the mom need specifically and what can she put in place? What are those supports look like for her? Yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts about this, the idea, the concept of self-care, because I think it's kind of become a buzzword, like self-care this and self-care that. And I think what I believe is one of the problems for moms not being able or thinking they're not able to get the self-care that they need is that our perception of self-care is often framed as like going and getting a pedicure and Mm -hmm. having a weekend of uninterrupted alone time and things that are just not always reasonable for a mom. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that is truly self-care. I feel like those activities, those tasks might sometimes be giving you things that you need, but it's not the act itself that self-care. And so I think parents can get really, like you said, get creative and figure out, okay, what is the actual need? Mm -hmm. And why is it that I'm wanting alone time? Why is it that I feel like I need to go get my nails done? And how Mm -hmm. can I kind of replicate something at home? Um, And I also feel like when we, our culture kind of, kind of thinks about self-care as like escaping. We're escaping. We need to escape our families, escape our kids. We need to get away from them. We need to be alone. And I don't agree with that. I mean, definitely sometimes we do need alone time in our own time. And I think that's totally reasonable, but this idea that we can't have self-care unless we're away from our kids, I also think is really, um, Mm -hmm. potentially harmful to, Mm -hmm. to mothers, Mm -hmm. um, and their perceptions of their children. And Mm -hmm. I think that we have to really learn to have these little, like little pieces of our day with our kids, with our family, where we can give ourselves self-care, but without escaping, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. It's Mm -hmm. like a, more of like a, like a refuge, right? Mm -hmm. What do you, what are your thoughts about self-care and like, how can moms find self, find ways to take care of themselves, practice self-care that Mm -hmm. doesn't always involve doing the things where we have to like leave our family or Mm -hmm. have a night away or something like that? Right, right. Yes. And what you were saying is we constantly or commonly think of self-care as getting our nails done or getting, you know, go through the drive-thru and get that, you know, frappuccino, you know, coffee drink, whatever it is, it's, it's this outside thing. Um, this event, this, um, like we can check it off, you know, check boxes and how I view self-care is it can definitely self-care can be all of those things that you were just listing. But I think the internal self-care, I I like to think of it as like an inner self-care is what I think is the restorative life-giving rejuvenating self-care. And there's so many ways that that can play out. But one is being in tune with what you're thinking 
and how your thoughts are affecting you is self-care. You know, if, if you tend to be a very negative person and you see the glass half empty and it's all or nothing and, you know, I... I want my baby to do this, or I want to be able to do that. And it's, it's this extreme being aware of that and working on that and being like, okay, what am I thinking? And how is this thought impacting, um, how I'm feeling about things that is a form of self-care because the way you're viewing it can make it even worse. And, you know, I remember one time, so my son was a horrible sleeper but he was also very high needs all of the time during the day. And then I gave birth to my daughter a few years later and she was super mellow and and not high needs during the day at all. But she, uh, she started sleeping out really well. And then she suddenly just switched and she became mm-hmm. a horrible sleeper and was even worse than my son. And I was like, oh, I thought I was beyond mm-hmm. this. Like I thought, you know, and so I really had to be on top of what my thoughts were and how negative I was viewing it. And what was I thinking about it? And how was I um, <clears throat> thinking about her? And um, me as a mother. And this one night, um, so we ended up finding out that she had sleep apnea and that's why she wasn't sleeping is because every time she was laying back on her back, she was stopping breathing on average of about 14 times an hour. And that mm-hmm. was explaining why she was constantly waking up and being unsettled. Cause she was literally, you know, not breathing, um, for several seconds. And, um, so when she got her first cold, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Like, I'm not going to sleep at all. Like I'm already not sleeping. And I was kind of, you know, cranky and irritable about it. And then all of a sudden I stopped myself and I was like, what could I think instead of this? I can't change and make tonight be wonderful because it's probably going to suck. There's probably no way around that, but how can I, how can I free myself from that internally? And so I sat in the living room in the recliner upright. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here all night and hold her upright so she can sleep. And I turned on my favorite music and it was peaceful. And every time she woke me up in the middle of the night and I didn't sleep while sitting up, you know, in a recliner, I didn't feel negative and I didn't feel you know, I wasn't hating my life. Like I thought I was going to, because I had nice music on and I was like, I get this, this time to just hold her. And so I totally had to change my thoughts around. And that has been the number one experience that I've found for myself with my kids being horrible sleepers. And also what I've been able to, you know, with studying psychology and, you know, our thoughts and our feelings and all of that. And what I've helped my clients with over the years is really, what are you thinking about it? So that's the number Mm -hmm. one, um, you know, support for inner self-care and, um, yeah. So I feel like that, that helps a lot. Is there anything that you wanted to comment on that before I jump to the next one? No, I think that's great. I remember when, um, my son was really struggling with sleep and I couldn't even like, he was just so wakeful that I really, I had to go to bed with him. I couldn't like leave because he would just wake up. And, um, I remember that I had nights where I thought, goodness, you know, I just, I just want to have some alone time. I just want to go out and watch my favorite show. I just want to spend time with my husband. And instead I shifted that to, okay, what can I do? What can I do right now? I can either rest. So one positive of this is that I'm resting. So I'm getting more time to rest in the evening because I'm going to bed earlier. The other thing I started doing when I didn't want to like go to sleep with him, I still wanted to stay up was, okay, can I listen to a podcast that I've been wanting to listen to, but haven't had time or an audio book? Can I learn something? Sometimes when he was asleep already, 
I would even like have my favorite show on my phone. And it was kind of nice because like, I didn't have to like go respond to my daughter, my Mm -hmm. other child, you know, my (laughs) husband was taking care of her. So I was like, okay, this is kind of maybe a nice break. Um, Mm -hmm. So I agree. Just changing your perspective is so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think self-care back to the, we're we're still, we're still talking about self-care, but self-care is often viewed as this thing that just brings you like pleasure and it's easy and it's enjoyable. But I also think that like you're talking about some aspects of self-care are not really always easy. They, they can mm-hmm. be challenging. So mm-hmm. making sure that you're getting um, appropriate nutrition for your body, that's a form of self-care. And it's mm-hmm. not always easy because it requires work mm-hmm. and it requires effort. For me, self-care is unplugging in the evening before bed and not just mindlessly scrolling my phone, which is the easy, maybe kind of pleasurable thing to do, but it doesn't help me sleep. It actually prevents me from sleeping well. And Mm -hmm. so self-care for me is forcing myself to be intentional about my screen time before bed. And so I think shifting our perspective of what self-care actually is, is so important, especially as a mom, because we can't always just go out and leave our kids and go do all of the things that are fun to do. Right. I like to say, if you can check it off from a box, it's probably not going to give you lasting pleasure or change your life. Mm-hmm. You know, those deeper things, like you're saying of eating, you know, that is a form of self-care of if you have a gluten intolerance, you know, and you need to avoid gluten, that is taking care of yourself. And that's a lot long lasting, you know, has long lasting effects. That is not right. something you can just check off a list. Like, oh, did I, you know, get my coffee today, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so I think it goes back to that balance of it's totally fine to go out and have fun with people, or, you know, maybe you need that date night away from your kids or whatever, um, or get your nails done. Like there's nothing wrong with those things, but are you only doing those things? And are you, you know, that's where it's not pretty. It's not the flashy social media stuff of what's, what, what does it look like to take care of yourself inside and how much do you need to take care of yourself inside? Because like I mentioned before, babies are all unique, but mothers are all unique. So do you tend to be very sensitive and you need more time to recoup or do you need more downtime or, you know, was the nap your kid just took and you thought you were going to get stuff done and feel good? Like, are they waking up and you're like, shoot, I still need more time to myself. How do you get that? And so that's where there's that again, individualized plan of what is going to work for you. And are you more extroverted? So is going out with friends and having a good time going to fill your cup up long-term and maybe plan that. So, you know, it's coming the next month or the next Mm -hmm. week or whatever it can be. So it's, it's back to what's inside of you of, um, the positive anticipation of, okay, this next week or this next night might be kind of rough, but I get to do this really fun thing that I'm looking forward to, or if you're an introvert and you need to go schedule a massage, you know, schedule that time in on a regular basis for you when that works for you, when that works for your child, you know, so it's, it's just thinking outside of the box and getting creative again with even self-care. So what are those internal things you need? Yeah, that's such a good point that we're all so different. And I hear a lot from, from moms who say, well, 
I don't want to be away from my kids. I don't want to be, I love being with my kids and I have no desire to be away from them, but people are telling me that I need to separate myself from them. And so I think it's so important to remember that some moms are going to, some parents in general are going to feel like they don't really need alone time. Like they don't need time away from their kids. They're, they feel fulfilled being with their kids. They can get their self-care in with their kids and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then people like me, like I actually do need some time alone. Um, Mm -hmm. not long stretches of time. I just, me and my husband have communicated, like I'm an introvert. I'm very sensitive. I'm my kids are very loud and I get very overstimulated by that. And so when he gets home from work, I often do need like, Hey, can I have, you know, 30 minutes or something to go do something, to go work, Mm -hmm. to go have quiet time by Mm -hmm. myself downstairs. And that works for us. I think communicating to your, if you do have a partner, communicating your needs to them too, and ask, figuring out it doesn't have to be these giant ways that they can help you. Like they have to be caring for your child all day mm-hmm. long, but small little bits of time within the day, within the week, even, um, mm-hmm. is so, so important and so helpful and communicating that in advance, in advance, or mm-hmm. in the case of having, you know, a sleep disturbance, if you know that your child is having a rough few weeks or few days, um, of sleep and it hasn't been going well, and you are anticipating that they are not going to sleep well that night, communicating that to your partner in advance and saying, Hey, I think tonight's going to go really rough. When can we get me a little bit of time to myself to sleep Mm -hmm. or to rest tomorrow? When you come home from work, can you give me 45 minutes? Um, something like that, or, Hey, can I come and get you early? Like, can I come and get you at five o'clock in the morning and wake you up a little bit early if I really am struggling and need some sleep? And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there are some partners that are involved all throughout the night and that looks different for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, I know mm-hmm. for me, it was that's just what worked for us is I nursed my yeah. babies. So it was just easier for me to wake my husband up a little bit early so that I can get mm-hmm. some extra rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just planning that out. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other like practical tips or strategies um, to help moms meet their own needs while still being responsive to their baby's needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so powerful to be able to sit down and be able to think through what do I need or what, what even is this? You know, like a lot of times, cause we're looking at social media or we're hearing about this thing or we're seeing that, you know, oh, this person did this. And it's like, oh, that's what I need to do. So right. that might not be what you need to do. Like you said, you might need more time alone. You might need, um, that, you know, headphones because you're like, it's too loud and you know, I'm touched out. Um, so really figuring out what that is, I think is always the first step because yeah. we're all so different. And then, like I said, planning that out and being aware of your thoughts and having those boundaries, you know, all of those things, they all work together to make a really well-rounded support plan for you and, you know, support plan for a baby. And, you know, the, the more you're, um, you're giving from a overflowing cup, the more you're going to be able to give, you know, to yeah. yourself and to, to your baby or to your children or your, your partner, you know, whatever it is, you can give more. So yeah, those are my, um, those are my big ones of just tuning into yourself, ha- being aware of your thoughts, planning it, you know, and having yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Those are so great. I just wanted to add a couple of like practical specific strategies mm-hmm. that, I have used as a mom that I have found really helpful. And of course they may not work for everybody because we all have different needs, but I do think that getting outside and going and Mm -hmm. getting fresh air and taking walks is so underestimated. And I think Mm -hmm. that would help pretty much anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that 
in parenthood, I just needed some like alone time and not necessarily alone. Um, I could be with my kids. I just needed them to not be like having so many needs all at one time. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that is we go for lots of walks. So when my Mm -hmm. kids were babies, I put them in the baby carrier, put them in the stroller and we go for walks. And now like what I will do too, is if I can, I will plug in my earphones and I will listen to a podcast or something, because that's something that I'm doing for me. And, um, you know, my, my oldest daughter is five now. So sometimes I'll just tell her, Hey, we're going for a walk. I'm going to listen to a podcast while we go. So I'm probably not going to hear you if you ask me questions. Um, but if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me, you know, at this time or when we, when we get there or something. And that has just been a really good way for me to, I'm setting boundaries. I'm it's okay for me to tell her, Hey, I'm not available to talk right now. I need a little bit of a break. Um, and I'm doing something for myself. And then I just find that children are tend to usually be more like relaxed and and quiet and calm during walks. So, um, I think that's, that's really, really huge. Also, if you are like a highly sensitive person like me, I should do a whole podcast episode on like being a highly sensitive parent. Mm -hmm. Um, but getting some, like, what are they called? Their ear plugs that, uh, reduce the noise a little bit so you can still Mm -hmm. hear them. But if your kids are really, really loud and you get really, overwhelmed and overstimulated by noise. It just, it just makes that a little bit easier to deal with. And I found those really helpful too. Yeah. Or if you're listening to something and it's in your ear, then it's not as overwhelming when you're hearing everything out there, you know, it like, yeah, Mm -hmm. AirPods have changed my life in the last several months that I've had them. I'm like, where have these been all my life? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's also just really important for parents to remember that it's okay to set boundaries with your kids and, and implement those self-care things. Like obviously for babies, um, you know, we have to meet those needs. Like if our child has an actual need that they need a caregiver to meet, we need to meet them. Um, but especially as your kids get older, like it's okay that we're not holding them every second of the day when they want to be held or playing with them every second of the day. Like we do those things, we meet their needs, but it's also okay for us to say, Hey, I actually just need to go to the bathroom right now. So I can't pick you up, but I will be right here. And I will be out in five minutes to pick you up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to set boundaries. I think that's where a lot of parents, um, specifically mothers have a hard time too, is they think that, you know, they hear this responsive parenting message, which responsiveness is so important, but responsiveness doesn't mean that you are responding 100% of the time within five seconds all the time. Like you can be a responsive parent and set boundaries and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I can't pick you up right now, but I'm right here in the bathroom. I can sing Mm -hmm. to you. I'll be out in a minute, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. I've started doing that with my three-year-old as, you know, she wants to play with me and I say, okay, well, mommy has to take a shower at some point. So, you know, do you want to play right now for a couple minutes or play longer later? Cause I need to take mm-hmm. a shower, you know, and it's setting yeah. those boundaries and saying, I have these needs, which I think is very empowering to, you know, have for yourself, but also to model that for your kids. And then, you know, still saying, okay, I'm going to play with you. And this is what we're doing. So kind of making a plan, um, works out really well, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's teaching other people, anybody, even our kids, how to treat us, you know, and what we need yeah. and that our, our needs matter. And, you know, when we have little kids that can't reason or can't put their, you know, needs on, on hold for a minute, um, it's back to those boundaries of, you know, involving a care person or your partner, or, you know, somebody to be like, I need to go do this. You know, mm-hmm. I think, um, like you were saying with walking and that, that movement and being outside is really huge. Um, but also the self-care of like, have you taken a shower today? You know, do you need to go take a shower? How do you get this done is, you know, or sit down and eat a meal. Like if I'm making my kids, you know, the 
short order cook, you know, making all these things. And then they want more. I'm like, no, mommy has to sit down and eat. I need to, you know, nourish my body too. And, and just teaching them that a little bit over time. And I think that's a huge barrier that we think, oh, I got to do this huge thing to revolutionize my entire life or implement this huge boundary or, you know, whatever. And it's like, life is made up of these tiny steps that Mm -hmm. that's the path that you're going to be on is based on those little steps and we can change the course at any time. And so I think it's very empowering when you're trying to figure out what your needs are and what to do to say, what can I, what step can I take in this moment? Because this is going to lead me somewhere by taking this one step. Right. Yeah. I love that. It's the baby steps. It's not, Mm -hmm. that feels a lot more manageable Mm -hmm. than making these massive changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been great. Thank you so much. I've learned so much from you. Can you tell us where we can find you for people that want to learn more from you, um, where we can find you and what resources you have available? Yeah. So my website is centerwithsarah.com. And if you do centerwithsarah.com slash quiz, I have a quiz that helps the mom, speaking of taking those steps, decide um, through the quiz, figure out which area is it in my life that I need to focus on? What can be my first step? Because like I said, you know, our life is made up of all of these steps. And so it can be very overwhelming to be like, I feel really overwhelmed. I feel like I have so many needs. I don't know where to start. Well, you can start with this quiz. It's a great Mm -hmm. first, you know, step and I'll give you step-by-step instructions and help kind of steer you and guide you and help you figure out that individualized plan that you need for yourself to meet your needs. You know, what's life giving for you. So centerwithsarah.com slash quiz is a great way to find me and to start um, getting your needs met. Amazing. And I will link that in the show notes too, so that it's easy to find. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for all of your time and your amazing knowledge and tips. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Taylor. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years, and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently, they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.